Hello, this is Rob and Mike from the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, and this is Think Smart with TMFG. Today on Think Smart with TMFG, Mike and I are going to be discussing things to consider in a bear market. Mike, we know we're in a bear market. We've been talking about this for numerous podcasts, and I always think it's a good thing to, you know, what are some of the questions that people are thinking about when we're going through this? I mean, again, a bear market is defined as when the markets are down more than 20%. You know, we've been down more than 20. It pulled back a bit. We're down even more than 20 now. And it appears not to be ending anytime soon. And bear markets are, they're related to, but they're not the same as a recession. A bear market may or may not result in a recession. And you don't know that to later. People tend to confuse the terms and think they're the same things. And they can be different too. So let's start reviewing some of those questions. And I guess the first one, maybe it's not the first one on everyone's mind, but it almost should be. Is this a good time to buy? Better than a year ago, isn't it? Well, the market's down 20%. Yeah. Will the market come back? Well, we know the market will come back eventually. Okay. So if the market's down 20%, Will the market come back probably within a couple of years? Oh, absolutely. So in other words, if it's down 20% and it's going to come back that 20%, I could earn almost 10% a year. Yeah. That's a pretty good return. I guess the uncertainty is always there, isn't it? And that's the painful. People always want you to say, I can guarantee you on this date, it will be worth 30% more. And that uncertainty drives people crazy because they all want to, everyone wants a guarantee with everything, don't they? But- Okay, so what about if it's three years? Yeah. What would that return be? Maybe six or 7% a year for three years, you'd be back? Yeah. That's still a pretty good return. Yeah. That's certainly a lot better than cash and bonds are getting you today, or gold, or Bitcoin. Yeah. Or even real estate. Yeah. Could you imagine if we could offer like a 10% a year GIC, which we know doesn't exist right now, but it would be people would be lined up down the street. But the problem is the G in that GIC, it's a guaranteed investment certificate, right? We're just, a, we're just like a, a, a hope for what's going to happen. But generally speaking, when you look at those hopes and look at the past and the history behind it, it's pretty obvious those uh, returns do happen in the future. It just, there's no guarantees of them. So the question is, that, is it a good time to buy? It's absolutely a good time to buy. Could it get worse? Absolutely. But regardless, it's a good time to buy because it's 20% less than it was. Yeah. And markets always come back. Is it a good time to sell? Probably not. But I'm nervous. I mean, we've got a possible possible recession coming on board. We've got high inflation. We've got global warming. We've still got a war going on. I guess the problem is if, if you sell, to take advantage of sell, you'd have to buy back in eventually, wouldn't you? You would. And when are you going to do that? Are you going to do that when things are worse? Like if you're scared now. And all of a sudden, everything gets really bad and we're in a session and we drop another 20%. Are you really going to have the guts to go and buy into that type of marketplace? But I guess the advantage of selling, then I know exactly how much money I have. How much you lost. Or how, <laughs> how much I've lost from what I have. <laughs> you don't you know how much you're going to lose. And, and our experience has been that you're never going to recover that amount that you lost. Yeah. So if you had a million and you're down, say, 12% today, you're down $120,000, that $120,000 is probably gone forever. Yep. In other words, it, 
you might get that money invested later on and it does get back to its million, but you, you missed out on 120. You're always going to be 120,000 less than you could be. Definitely. Another question that I think is, is, are we at the bottom? That is a hard one. Yeah, I find when you go through these markets, you have the big drop of the bear market. And we've seen in the past where you have a double drop and things like that. But a lot of times it just it gets more volatile. It, it gets that uh, lower point. It doesn't really hit the bottom. It's just a lot of volatility. You know, up 700 points, down 800 points. Up, you know, it's a lot of volatility near that bottom. Uh, but who knows? I think the difficult part about the bottom is, again, you have to know the future. Yeah. And as we have always said, you can't predict the future. So if you can't predict the future, how are you going to predict the bottom? At some point, it's going to feel like a bottom. And, and the bottom eventually catches. But, you know, sometimes that bottom can be further. It's a bit, you know, if you're out fishing and you're throwing out an anchor and you're always trying to catch the bottom, yeah. right? So that the anchor will hold. Well, sometimes it drifts even a little more and you have to restart again. And that's, investing is very much like that. It's like you're dragging that anchor across the bottom yeah. and eventually it finds the bottom and starts going back up again. Yeah. Should I change my portfolio? I, I would feel better as an investor if I actually went and did something. I guess what happened, like when we talk about should I buy or should I sell, changing the portfolio is really a buy-sell decision, isn't it? Essentially, right? And if you're going to change your portfolio and decide to buy at the bottom, you're going to move more toward equities. And, you know, some people who are in a situation where they do want to get a little bit more aggressive portfolio this may be a good time to do it when you're in a down market. They've been thinking about it for the last couple of years, but they thought everything was too expensive. So this can be a good time to get more aggressive. Time is time to uh, get more conservative. That's a sell decision. That means you're going to sell your equities at a low marketplace. And again, you should get more conservative in strong markets and you should get more aggressive in weak markets. But it's the opposite of what you feel like doing. So change in portfolio can happen, but Again, if it's knee-jerk reaction to uh, safety right now, it's probably not a good move. Next question. How much further do stocks have to fall? You know, we're in a, a small bear market right now. A bigger bear market is a drop of 30% plus. And there's been 13 of those, yep. you know, since they've been tracking it since 1926. So there's a chance that we go to 30. So it could get a little worse. But there's just as much chance that it stays where it is and starts getting better tomorrow. Yeah, it, it gets scary when we go through. We've been uh, walking our clients through uh, some of the bear markets in the past, and it's scary how bad some of them got. I mean, I think 2007, I think was down 50, was it 53 percent at one point? Yeah, yeah, it, 2000 it, into 2008, 2008, we were down 53 percent. 53 percent, and that's that's a pretty scary bear market. I don't think people realize how much trouble the world was in at that time. Uh, in hindsight, when we talk to people in the financial industry on how close the world is into a, a massive breakdown, it was just on the brink. And I mean, the time before that's when you go back to 1929, and that was, I think, an 80% uh, correction. But again, in history, we realized there was no controls. There was massive amounts of leverage. The banking system was almost non-existent at that time. And we hope that the government has enough controls in how they do things now to make sure that's not going to happen again. You never know but they have a lot of systems in uh, place to make sure we don't end up in some of those same situations. Control is on leverage. You can see right now as things are running away, the government's raising interest rates. You know, They could just let things go and let the market go nuts. They're trying to control that and bring it down to a normal level by controlling the, the money that's available in the system. 
And it seems to be working. It's had an impact almost immediately on housing prices. Yeah. So, you know, that's a sign that this raising interest rates is good. And, and we all know, especially in Canada, housing prices were out of control. They were going up far too quickly. Next question, how long do bear markets last? What's the research? I think they're around a year. Yeah, somewhere around that. 10 months. Yep. 10 months is the average. Sometimes yep. they're longer. Sometimes they're three to four years. Yep. That you can be in this choppy period for three to four years. But we always know they end. You know, we had a really short one uh, back in 2020 when COVID first hit. Yeah. It was three months. Yeah. That's a short bear market. This one, if we're 10 months, we're only, what, four months into this. So there could be another six months yeah. just to hit the average. And the bull markets are much longer, much, much longer. Now, they're, they're years. Yeah. Another question, we're in a bear market. Well, what's the best bet to outperform when the market does turn around? Is it the stuff that dropped the most or what's going to what's going to lead us out of this bear market? Something will. What will it be? Uh, when you look in uh, recessions and you see what usually takes off, usually small caps are the are the leaders of everything. They adjust very quickly. Big companies, I always think of big companies like a cruise ship. You know how when a cruise ship has to stop, uh, they have to they have to. They have to stop before port about 20 miles out because it takes so long for them to slow down. And when they start going, it takes them 20 miles to get to speed. And when you see someone like a small cap, it's more like a jet ski. They can stop on a dime, and as soon as they hit the gas, they're going. So when you find these big economic turns that you go into recessions and that, the ones that can make quick adjustments, of course, they're going to be hit first as small caps as things come down. But when you start to come out of a recessionary period, if we do end up going through a recession, those small caps have made all the adjustments and start to make profits very quickly. And it shows right up on the balance sheet and uh, they improve quickly. So it sounds like we probably should invest money. It sounds like a good time to be a buyer. So the question then comes to how should I invest if I had a lump sum in a bear market? So, you know, why do people come into money? Maybe there was an inheritance, maybe an uncle or a parent passed away and they inherited money. Um, maybe they received a large bonus. They may have sold their house or sold their cottage, an investment property. So lots of reasons why people come into money, or they may have just sold a, a, an investment, and, and they now need to figure out what to do with that lump sum. The issue becomes you don't want to screw up that decision. Even though it came from somewhere like a house, let's say it's a million five, yeah. if you're putting it in the market, you don't want to you, you weren't concerned about the million five house, but you're really concerned about the million five going into the market. Yep. What's the difference? You were in a housing market before, now you're in a stock market. Yeah, that's a conversation with someone uh, because we, we always looked at, they sold the house for their parents. And of course it went in the market. I would look at the markets that they did it in October. So it wasn't great timing on doing this, right? And we went in, the, they're looking at the portfolio going, you know, we merely made a big mistake. I said, well, if you held onto the house, which would have been the bigger mistake? And we looked at it, we go, well, no, it's a lot better than holding on to the house. If they would have held on to the house, it would have been hard to sell, number one. It's worth 20% less to 25% less. Plus, it would have been very difficult to sell right now because they're just not moving. So even though the market has not been a good experience, probably over that period of time, down by you know 10% in that range, way better than being in the, in the house. So you got to look at uh, both those sides. The other piece to that is, and we've always talked about this, is Houses get don't get priced every day. The stock market gets priced every second. Yeah. So very, very different. So yes, the stock market is more volatile because we price it every second. Yeah. And with, with the reality of this, uh, their parents are in a home now and they need, you know, six or seven thousand dollars a month to pay for the home. 
that house wasn't going to pay six or seven thousand dollars a month. Can't do it. So let's go back to the lump sum. Put it all in at once or spread it out. And so um, a gentleman wrote this great book, uh, Nick Majuli, and he part of the book. There's a chapter called "The Definitive Guide to Dollar Cost Averaging Versus Lump Sum Investing." And I won't go into the details, but dollar cost averaging is essentially, let's say you had this million dollars to invest, and maybe you're going to invest that over 12 months, or you know, maybe you're going to put it in over five years. And so you put a set amount of money in over that five-year period, or do you put the whole million dollars in right away? And the evidence basically says 70% of the time, three out of every four years, looking back in history, and he's done all the research on this, you were better off lump sum it in, just to put it in. Yeah. So you and I always believe in factor investing because you're putting the odds in your favor. It doesn't always work out, but you're always putting the odds in your favor. Yeah, remember we asked Fama this question years ago. And Fama, uh, Eugene Fama, Nobel Prize winner, he's, he, he's worked alongside DFA for years. And we asked him this question and he had such a, he, he's such an intelligent man. He, go, he goes, well, let me get this straight. You have two advisors. One has the right strategy. Both have the right strategy for the client. What's going to get them through the rest of life. One's going to go and put it into place right away. And the other was going to wait to make them go in the right strategy. Who's the better advisor? Said if you had the right strategy, why would you make someone wait and have them in the wrong strategy for more of a period of time? So it doesn't make any sense. To him, it almost wasn't even a question. <laughs> so there is a period of time where the dollar cost averaging strategy delivers better performance. And that's what we're looking at, which is going to deliver the better performance 10 years ago. And that is actually, believe it or not, during a market crash. And if you knew that the market crash was coming and you put in a set amount every month for the next how long that crash happened, you're going to come out further ahead. The problem is, look at us today. We're, we're already down. We're already in a correction. We're in a bear market. We don't know that this is going to continue. Yep. So are, are we at the bottom? We, we just discussed we don't know that we're at the bottom. Yeah. The tricky part is if you do decide dollar cost average, you have to root for the markets to do terrible. Right. Your, your goal is for your first, to lose money on your first on your first dollar. Right. And it's very hard to root for the markets to go down as you because you already lost money on your, your first. But that's the only way where dollar cost average is going to work. If your first investment was a bad investment and you're making other ones that are making up for it along the way. So it's a very weird mindset when you have dollar cost average into it. It's also not linear. And what I mean by that is so you put in, let's say you're going to do you know, a million dollars, you're going to put it over 10 months. So you put your first $100,000 in right away, you go to put your next 100,000 in 30 days from now. And the market may be up from where it was, or it may be down. If it's down, you should be happy. But you're putting another 100 in, I guarantee you're not going to be happy. Because your first hundred might only be worth $90,000. And now you're going to throw another hundred at it. You're scared to do it. It's not a bad system, but you got to understand what you're doing is you're managing regret. That, that's the purpose of dollar cost average, your management regret. There's regret if you put a big sum of money in and the market goes down. So it's not a financial decision. It's managing your feelings and regret over things. And it, But it's, it's not a terrible thing to do because emotions are a big part of investing. So 
it beats waiting, uh, waiting till the markets pop up to go do it. It's a much better strategy than that. So, you know, ideally speaking, you put the money in right away. But if you want to manage your regret, dollar cost averaging does work very well and at least gets the money into the market over a relatively short period of time. So if you had that lump sum to invest, let's review the four options that you have. Option number one, put the money in. It's clean. It's efficient. We know the market's down more than 20%. And we know that it will give you the highest prob probability of a good outcome 70% of the time. So that's number one. Yep. Number two, dollar cost average over a specified interval. So you could put 20% of your money in over the next five months or 50% over the next two months or 10% over the next 10 months. There's numerous possibilities there. In fact, there's endless possibilities. And that even makes it more complicated. Yeah, there's no scientific proof to anyone being a, better than the other either. You could do the middle one. And that's where you go put half the money in right now. And then maybe you dollar cost the other half. That make that make that feels a little better, right? It's a more balanced approach. We know it's not the best approach because 70% of the time you're better to put the money in. Yeah. But at least you put half the money in. Yeah, I had a client do that a month ago. It, it it worked well. At least we got some in. We're trying to take advantage of down markets. And, you, you know, remember, dollar cost averaging works best when you're in the highest markets, when everything's good. <laughs> so, so it's funny. It's not the greatest thing when you're in down markets, dollar cost averaging. If you're in a really high market, that's when dollar cost average is the right idea because you don't want to put all the money in a high market and have it to go into low market. So dollar cost average works best when you're in a really high market, everything's doing really well. Decide rather than dump that lump sum in that time, it's going to go down. So again, you're rooting for a market correction. And I guess the other strategy you could attempt, although I just think it would be ridiculous, is to try and put money in when the market is down. Like you're trying to time each day's purchase. You have the money just sitting in cash ready to go. And, oh, it's down you know, 200 points today. I'm going to buy today. I, I think that strategy would probably be the worst one because it's really not a strategy. Yeah. Long and the short of it, it doesn't really matter which strategy you choose as long as you stick with it and don't deviate from it. Don't stop investing just because you dollar cost averaged in for five months and it went down. Yeah. That brings us to the end of another week. This is Rob and Mike with Think Smart from the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, reminding you to live the life that makes you happy. listening to the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management Limited. Asante Capital Management Limited is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Insurance products and services are provided through Asante Estate and Insurance Services Incorporated. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the previous information, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances.
The opinions expressed are those of the authors and not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management Limited.